0: Welcome! You like that?
1: <laughs> yeah, that was nice. That's Everyone,
0: took- back to the broadcast. I am David Woods, Bruins Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined on this fine, again, very dark uh, Friday morning by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? <clears throat>
1: good. I can barely see. It's so dark out in the morning. I can barely see my computer.
0: I don't know but, if we can riff on this again. I think we just. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not. That's, that's not. Thursday that's not. That's not. It's just, Thursday, I don't know when we're Thursday. publishing. We might publish this <laughs> back in time on Thursday. Who knows?
1: It's Thursday night. We're yeah, just, let's go Okay. I Thursday, feel better now. Feel, it's Thursday at three fifteen
0: p.m. We're. It's yeah. let's let's be truth. At, truth. Truth here. Truth in advertising. Okay. Um, we are on. Uh, I don't know if you can call it the eve of the college football season, but the metaphorical eve uh you know it's a week before which means that we've started doing our season previews which is when it always becomes real for me uh, that there will be a college football season it's obviously becoming real a little bit later and it's odd that it wasn't real to me with all of the college football going on but hey my sense of reality differs from yours and that's fine but it's real now Tracy
1: <laughs> oh am I in this I was just listening it was so good <laughs> How real is it for every team? Like, uh, are there uh, Wisconsin? What's going on there? Oregon? The max, Oregon, level, the max Oregon? level of reality
0: a team can achieve this year is about 78%. I've done the math.
1: Okay. okay.
0: I think Alabama will achieve 78% reality at this at some point this year. But that's it. That's as close as to a real college football season as we're going to get.
1: So 78% chance, let's say, that UCLA gets through at seven games. Mm. What you think?
0: So I in my preview today, I very um intentionally referred to it as the six or seven games UCLA ends up playing because there's now talk bandying about that that seventh game might be just built in as a makeup week for a chance for them to potentially make up um
1: the that, sixth game.
0: Yeah, that uh, yeah. one of the one of the six games if they don't get played. Realistically, I mean if you look at what just happened in the Big Ten with Wisconsin Nebraska being cancelled um or postponed or whatever they're ending up doing. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, there's a very real chance that PAC 12, uh, you know, even with all the testing in the world, there just might be a very reality that games all don't happen.
1: And if you listen to Chip Kelly, he's very much laying the groundwork for it might not happen. I, 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 you know what we need, we didn't talk about this before going on the air, but I want to say this. I do want to talk about my whole Mulligan story because that seemed to get everyone going. And you know, a lot of it comes yeah, but Tracy, from. Tracy, you don't know what a mulligan is.
0: Let me no, tell I you don't. about golf.
1: I don't. You know what, though, I'm using the mulligan in the fact that something doesn't count. yeah, no, than, I think
0: it's it's sort of like those people who are like very semantic about like just kind of little bits of language, and it's like no, it's got an accepted meaning at this point. You're just going to have to deal with it. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Especially since that's what every in this industry. When I talk to administrators, coaches, anyone involved. They're using the word mulligan, <laughs> so I'm using it. Um,
0: it's a good word. It's a fun word. I, it's a fun word to say.
1: I think there's an uh, an effort by a lot of coaches, and I, I think Chip Kelly's part of this to build in that you shouldn't take the results from 2020 too seriously. They shouldn't count that much. And maybe for some coaches that that's that might be true, you know. But I think Chip Kelly, having lost, uh, you know, pretty. Pretty significantly in those first two years, you can't just write off if he goes, you know, two and five. You can't just say, oh, it's a mulligan year. Can't, I don't think you can do that. He's got to show something in these games in 2020. Um, it might not, I mean, more than likely, it would not get him fired because of that $9 million buyout, but it, it would definitely go toward putting pressure on 2021. Uh, and I don't think you can just throw that away and say, ah, you know, it's a mulligan year. And especially since UCLA is, is opted out. One guy has opted out. That's it. There are other teams in the PAC 12 that have had quite a few UCLA might be, uh, you know, we haven't done that I, among let, let the most a,
0: intact rosters.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it should be an advantage. Yeah. yeah, and the Mulligans,
0: you know, you give them, and I'm just going to keep saying it now to annoy like yeah. the three people who are really pissed off about us misusing golf vernacular. Yeah. Uh, the Mulligans go out to, like, Carl Durrell and Nick Rolovich, right? First year, yes. you know, it's going to be weird, especially Durrell. He didn't get a spring ball um, had, and also came in late because Mel Tucker left early. Like, there's a lot of factors playing for that guy that it's like, well, seriously, this year doesn't matter. We're not going to judge you about it. It's his third year, Chip. Like, it's his third year at UCLA. Even if you say it's going to be a shortened and weird year, this is his roster. It's not as if he's still building a thing. Three years in, these are your guys. Um, even the, the guys, even the the guys who have retained, like even the guys yeah. who are redshirt juniors and seniors who you didn't necessarily recruit, they are your guys at this point. They're the dudes who you've decided to roll with if you— You're on the same setting, on the same level as every other coach in America. You're judged on that same level, and if you don't succeed, well, you didn't do something right then.
1: Either you you didn't
0: build a roster correctly, or you didn't coach him correctly. But one way or another, it's on you at that point. So these six or seven games, whatever they end up looking like, they matter more than any six or seven game stretch in the last two years because— Much more so than the last two years, these are Chip Kelly's guys. This is the roster and the scheme, the whole thing, the team that he has built. It's on the field now.
1: I think if he had gone like, let's say, six and six first year and then eight and four the second year, right? And then this year he went, you know, three and four, two and five. Yeah. In yeah, our minds, we might be saying, "Yeah, it's all." We might be saying, "Okay, we'll let him off on that year." Maybe everyone just isn't mentally. But he didn't do that, so these games really, as you said, I think they have even more emphasis and and more meaning. And there's and here's the other thing too. Remember when way a long time ago when I was talking about the transfer portal that was going to come online. uh, We were like the first to really report about its significance and it was getting poo-pooed by a lot of other people. Like I won't even affect very much. I think I even asked Chip Kelly, (laughs) but everyone was saying not going to affect that much. It is dramatically affected. The amount of players who have decided to transfer jumped massively. Now, the NCA is going to pass a rule that on August 1st, 2021, all undergrad players can transfer without, and, and have immediate eligibility one time during their career. If there are guys who are unsatisfied either with their playing time, the program, the coaching anywhere, and this is the closest we're going to come to free agency. <laughs> and if this is going to be like, let's say a longstanding rule, but on the first day this thing comes online wow and if you have a program let's say let's just hypothetically say if there's a program out there that went 3 and 9 and 4 and 8 and then 2 and 5 you would think there'd be a lot of guys who just aren't feeling it and he had lot and that coach might have lost the morale of the team it was about to implode and a lot of players might say, I'm I'm moving on, I'm not buying in anymore, they could put their names in the portal early, they could go through the whole process and then wait until August 1st and transfer without having to sit out. I don't that, know,
0: is there any program in America where they're gonna be fed better?
1: <laughs> Actually, I, I get that article and they're right. With UCLA, it was, it was not good during Moore's era, it could have been improved, and now it's gone way overboard. And it's absolutely worth an article. Let's but
0: Goldilocks this, guys. That
1: thing went on and on. I know, but and on it was it was so on. good. It was so good. Oh my! God.
0: I wanted to hear about every single bite of food they were eating because it I sounded know. first. It sounded amazing. It like a, it, like, like, like it sounded food. like wow. I would have loved to have eaten like that in college. But the exactly. second, it, it was, was like also foodie, just like it
1: was a foodie article, Dave. It oh, it was really, so good. It was so it good. Could have been in the food the food section of the LA Times. But I love doing the math on it.
0: The the math on it was the fun part for me because like say you've got like a – I don't know. We're ballparking 120 guys that you're feeding every day, right? And you feed them three meals a day on $5.4 million a year. You're spending 40 bucks a head per meal every single day for 365 days. That's like a really cheap wedding three times a day. That's so cool.
1: And, and you know, you're right. You're into the numbers. I'm into the food. I just love the way – why did they feel necessary? It was necessary to describe it on a like it's a menu on a really. It was so applied. amazing. You know, they were talking about reductions, and it's like, like these kids don't know what that is. I didn't know what a re- I mean. I remember when reduction came in, when foodie became a thing. I didn't know what a reduction was first. I mean, these well, guys that's the are thing. Like, it's
0: like no. They're they eating the like it? they're eating like you know mid career bankers. Like, well, it's what is going on here. <laughs>
1: but it was, it was over the top. They, it went on, I get their point and it was good, but man, they took it from about every side order angle, too many asparagus kind of thing. It was, it was a little too much, but a spare guy point, point being spare made guy. point being made. Yeah. They spent too much money on food. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Love it though. Um, um, but seriously, this is not, if we're not calling it a mulligan, whatever you want to call it, he, there's no way and that he's getting off, as these are these are free games, you know they don't count. That's not happening. Um, I think he's fooling himself, not only from how probably seriously the administration is taking this, but just from the impact it's going to have on his program. Because if he has a losing season, he could see an exodus. So if he's not taking it seriously, there's there there uh, something's there's going to be something that comes home to roost here at one point. And yeah. So there's that. Um, we found out today that Jamal McClendon, I'm going to call him like the seven-string running back, put uh, put him uh, his name in the transfer portal. Not that big of a blow since they do have... Um,
0: six guys <laughs> ahead of him, as you just pointed
1: it out. Six guys ahead of him and one behind him. Um, but it's another reason to look at like... There aren't any guys – what's amazing is if there was a projected starter ahead of him, like a future starter, a two-year starter, and there really isn't. (laughs) So, I mean, there's a lot of bad evaluation going on here. Um, But that's another indication of all this, of just kind of player personnel mismanagement, um, that this guy, when there isn't a first string – there isn't a projected starter, you know – for a couple of years and he and he's transferring so wow there's that um you want to talk a little bit about colorado since that's that's gonna be happening here and our friend carl Durrell has carl does carl Durrell age
0: no I don't think so. no he is ageless it's
1: like he dorian ageless. gray that dude yeah. looks exactly the same yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. No, he will. I think he will look forty until he suddenly looks ninety.
1: How old is he? He's got to be
0: late fifties now. God damn! Because right? he, he was—he he was, was what good. forty-one when he got hired, something like that. There's this, there's so seventeen thing. years later. There's
1: this little thing called the old Google machine. Fire up the old Google. He is fifty-six. <laughs> Wow. Damn, he he's got to get in like a beauty pageant for the youngest looking fifty-six-year-old man.
0: Look, you're you're attracted to him, and it's fine.
1: I'm 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 very very impressed.
0: I, it's with, fine with how we look. Looks. We're we're yeah. an accepting environment here. Um. So, uh, Colorado, that's a yeah. football game that UCLA will be playing in next week against uh Carl Durrell. Uh, it's interesting. Um, as we kind of alluded to, Colorado is. Kind of an unknown quantity for Durrell, um, even beyond us. Uh, He didn't get a spring practice with them. He's only now getting a fall camp. Um, And he came in late because Mel Tucker left for Michigan State really late in the process. So Durrell, he didn't even have the beginning of the winter workouts. That's usually when a new coach is overseeing the changeover of the program. He wasn't there for that um so there's a lot that he had to kind of catch up on um and i think it led to a lot of decisions he made he retained a ton of the coaching staff which he might not have otherwise done i don't know Uh, i don't know what the budget situation is there if they didn't want to pay a bunch of buyouts or if it and i would guess this is part of it he didn't want to have to you know install a bunch of new stuff in basically a single set of practices so the end result is I don't think he has a great feel for his roster, more than likely, Um, and it's going to be kind of a weird feeling out year, and he already had one of those at UCLA, if you remember, especially at the beginning of that year, um, where Manny White lost and forgotten on the sideline, Um, so it's going to be interesting. I'm really intrigued by Colorado. I think it's going to be really interesting to see if Durrell has grown as a head coach, because I, And this might have been me being a student. I thought he did show signs of becoming a better head coach by the end of his tenure at UCLA. Certainly not good enough to be retained. But I think he was a better coach in year five than he was in year one. Which is, as far as UCLA coaching goes, a rarity. Most of these guys get a lot worse as their careers go on. Uh, I can think of a man named Jim Mora who did. Um, but Rick Neuheisel as well, I would say. Um, so... Uh, Darrell, I thought, improved as a head coach. He hasn't gotten another shot since 2007. I'm interested to see what this whole thing looks like.
1: Um, here's my take on this. Uh, they did retain a lot of that coaching staff. And I think, I think they are kind of applying that... There's a trend in college football to kind of get a figurehead coach, right? ASU, North Carolina, heck, LSU, <laughs> A guy who, let's say, you know, is, is kind of the CEO and he leaves a lot of the coaching up to the other coaches. Uh, I think they felt they were on the right track with, um, spacing on his name, guy who went to Michigan State, uh, Ed uh, Tucker, right? Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker. Ed. Mel.
0: <laughs> They're names. That's, They're both names. That,
1: that's his brother. Um And I think they felt they were on the right track and they wanted a guy who was familiar with Colorado, familiar with the Pac 12, who wouldn't be a fish out of water, who could step in, be that figurehead, a good guy, wasn't going to cause you any, you know, scandals, be able to, you know, someone that the players would actually admire as a human being. So I think we have to almost take this Colorado team as this would be like if Mel Tucker were there and it's the same team and the guys who left left and the guys they, they that are retained from last year are there. I, I don't think there's probably going to be much difference. They have the same offensive coordinator, uh, Darren uh, Chavarini. Chavarini. Chavarini, uh, defensively coordinator. Dave, you know this, right?
0: I'm sorry, what? <laughs> their defensive coordinator yes uh, i don't remember who their defense i hear coordinator. Click, tyson tyson
1: click, summers click clackety click going on there anyway a lot of continuity on the coaching staff i don't it's not like a head coach who's coming in instituting all of his own new stuff his new coordinators new ways new tournament you ever hear all the coaches talk about a lot of it's just the same coaching. It's just different terminology. I would, have, this is, they probably have all the same terminology. So think about this as a matchup against uh, the same Colorado team if Mel Tucker were coach. That's the way I'm looking at it. Um, don't, I, I, I think UCLA has a talent advantage. Uh, I would say coaching, it's probably just a wash. But I think Colorado has some advantages, namely being on their own. It's always an advantage playing in that stadium when you're 5,000 feet. Um, I think overall there are some intangibles that go to Colorado. And that little bit of mystery, what are they going to do? You know, they don't – you could go in thinking that, wow, we don't have some of Colorado on tape. We don't know what they're going to do. Even though I just said they probably do know. There is that little bit of an element. So I don't know. I think this game's going to be – a little tougher than we thought. How'd that game go last year?
0: You're asking me to remember something again. Hang on. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: UCLA, like, Colorado, it? 2019. Who won that game? Oh, uh, UCLA yeah. won. Who knew? Yeah, huh. yeah
1: who knew? <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Um, I will say this. Your comment about UCLA being a clearly more talented team, I think is still true. But it's not like it's not like one of those things that was like an, uh, a non-question as of, you know, two or three years ago. UCLA, according to, and I think this is actually a pretty good rubric, uh, the the Pac-12 football team talent composite on 247, UCLA is the sixth most talented team in the league, and Colorado is the eighth most. So it's not. There's a difference, and if you look at the you know overall number, it's a qualitative difference of you know some you know it's somewhat substantial, but there's they're pretty close together. Like this is not it's not something where UCLA gets on the field and blows them off the field. This is one of the least talented UCLA teams I think I can remember. And maybe that'll bear out to be, um, I'm saying that because of known quantities. Maybe it'll bear out to be untrue. Maybe a lot of these guys will turn out to be really good. But just what we've seen from them so far and what we can reasonably project from them for this season, this is not a very talented UCLA team compared to UCLA teams of years past.
1: Yes, and I'll I'll even go out and say that even though a lot of them are unknown quantities, some of the old unknown quantities were guys who, you know, were four star guys in high school. And even if you want to discount that, the star system and Brandon Huffman and and you know Greg Biggins and Blair and Gulo, their evaluation and our evaluation has held up over the years. So there were a lot there used to be, if they were slightly unknown, there were still a higher degree of a higher rated degree of, of recruit um, that were unknown, let's say that were in the program. And then my thing is that we've talked about it before, but his recruiting philosophy was maybe to get some developmental guys that could, that, you know, didn't have the weight yet, but they had the length, they had the measurables, they had all that. And they just need a little development time. Well, right now for Chip Kelly, they should be juniors, red shirt sophomores and red shirt freshmen. And he should have, a few guys that are known, more guys that are known than what we're looking at on that roster, and then some older guys. I mean, you can't avoid that there's just a, there's been some failures at linebacker recruiting when you there are so many guys we've never seen play and they're all freshmen and redshirt freshmen and you have to expect those guys to step up and be good. That doesn't happen very often. Um, among guys who aren't four-star guys coming in, I mean, very, very rarely do, you know, true freshmen or redshirt freshmen who weren't four or five-star guys come get that first year as a freshman or redshirt freshman, and they make a big-time impact. Yeah. It's very, it's very, very rare. So we're not just you can you can talk about the unknown quantity, but. There's a lot here just from the past that we know how this all works out. And, I mean, he's been watering that bamboo now for three years. This is, this is his own bamboo plant. This thing well, should uh, be sprouting up this year.
0: Well, and, the, the, I mean, the most important bamboo shoot at quarterback. What? So the, the thing is, if you're going to be an offensive-minded head coach, the number one thing you've got to figure out is who's going to be your quarterback, how to develop them recruit to the position, yada, 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 the whole thing. So much of this year is dependent, and it kind of crystallized for me right in that preview this uh, today was just so much of this is dependent on the development of Dorian Thompson-Robinson. If he looks even an iota like the player he was last year, this offense isn't doing anything because you can't turn the ball over the way he turned it over. And I do mean, like, literally the way he did it. Like, you cannot have those sorts of turnovers where you are just fumbling the ball away because you're scrambling and you're not, I don't know, concentrating on your grip while you're doing it. Like, you can't do that. Um, And if that sort of thing continues to happen, it's not only demoralizing, but it sets the ball up in situations where suddenly fumbles get returned for touchdowns. Um, And you just... It can't happen in those odd situations. Interceptions, those are going to happen. You're going to have more than a few of those. Um, fumbles where you actually get hit are going to happen. You're going to have more than a few of those. But you can't be scrambling and just drop the ball. You can't throw it away and then have it somehow land in somebody's hands. Like it just, these unforced errors need to stop happening. And will those be coached out of him? Um, and the thing is, you look at the rest of this roster. They've lost Joshua Kelly. They don't have the pure, you know, safety valve at tight end that they've had the last two years where you can just throw it up to Ossie Ossie or Wilson and they'll come down with it. Um, and the offensive line is, you know, cobbled together, I think would be the best way to describe it. So, so much is going to rest on Dorian Thompson Robinson, not only being a better player than he's been the last year, but being a more poised player, making better decisions and having to make more decisions, I would guess, likely under pressure because when Name the season where UCLA has gotten through it unscathed on the offensive line. And we're talking about one injury putting this offensive line in truly critical shape. And we're not even... We're saying more than likely a former walk-on. I don't know. Sam Maraza still a walk-on or just a former walk-on? Former. Former walk-on is almost certainly going to be starting on that offensive line. And we're saying that's fine. But if there's an injury and you add another guy to that group who's not you know, in that starting lineup, it suddenly gets very critical. Maybe well, that, that five still hangs yeah. together, but there is nobody behind them then.
1: Well that's the thing, no, but there are, let's just well, I mean, I'm I'm giving I'm saying that Morazzo and John Gaines are both playable guys.
0: Which is a which I, I and no knock on either of them, but it's a stretch based off of performance so far. It's yes. it's a hope.
1: But Um, let's say they are, and then you've got Gatton. Those are six guys, because I would suspect Gatton and Gaines might platoon early on. Gratton. Let's hit that hard arm, Tracy. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, Don't call him Phil Gatton. Don't do it. (laughs) That's a blast from our our past. Um, But after those six, I I mean, if we're going to question those two, you got to – where do you go? Is it Baraka Beckett? Does – Tony O'Maffey gets some playing time. It's see Al-Ailiku. I mean, there are some guys that have not played the position yet <laughs> at all or, uh, well, haven't and or are questionable whether they can. So, yeah. And you know what? When it comes to Dorian Thompson Robinson, I'm going to say this. Uh, a writer for Bro Sam Conan is preparing a story about how it's pretty common, history holds, that quarterbacks make generally commonly make the biggest leap between the second and their second and third year. I think I think DTR is going to make a leap. He's going to be better. And I'm even going to say that will make the offense feel a little bit better. Like he'll be able to complete more passes, maybe cut down on his on his mistakes. But I think it's going to still be about the same because you don't have Joshua Kelly and you don't have an offensive line that's necessarily going to be able to create big holes for non-Joshua Kelly running back. So while you're saying it's contingent on DTR, I'm saying he could be even better, and they still might not be much better than they were last year.
0: Well, no, you're you're saying, and I think this is probably the truth of it, is that they're doomed um, offensively. I did
1: not say that. No, no, no,
0: but not doomed to doom. Doomed to being average more than likely because of the running back situation, which I tend to agree with what i'm saying is for them to be better dorian thompson robinson is going to have to make a huge leap like not just be better but he's going to have to be a super elite quarterback because i'm building in i'm baking into the whole equation that running back is going to be um a a step back like a pretty substantial step back um so any hinging hopes on this offense suddenly and the thing is and i think we all need to acknowledge this is we gave Chip Kelly <clears throat> a mulligan on year one, and we were all saying by the end of that year, that offense looked pretty good, and so we're going to give him a mulligan on that start of the year. Um, last year, there was no such excuse. Um, yeah, Josh Kelly was out for a couple games and so on and so forth, but it was year two. The scheme should be looking better, and it was worse. The offense was worse last year than it was the previous year. Um, it while you're, while it, you're
1: right there, just here's here's the uh book uh in, they were 94th in yards per play last year yeah no
0: completely non-explosive but even beyond yeah. that even if you go by like just those advanced stats rating systems it's never been better than top 50 like it's been 50th yeah. and then below so yeah. I, the thing is we're talking about will they be able to maintain their average level um from previous years and that's what would require somebody replacing joshua kelly What I'm saying is if there's any hope in hell of this being an actually good offense, which it hasn't been, it's been average. Um, If there's any hope in hell of it being good because of that running back room, it's going to require joining Thompson Robinson. And this is why I made the even though I I don't think there's much resemblance with Cade, um, though Cade's first two years were obviously hit and miss. uh, It's going to require that level of leap from sophomore to junior year for this offense to be significantly better than last year.
1: And I'm saying he could still make a relative leap, and it's still not well much a
0: problem. relative leap. I'm talking about yeah. he would have to become like one of the top two quarterbacks in the league, and I do think that would be enough for the offense to be better than last year.
1: Oh yeah, I think so. I think I, that if you're if that's the <laughs> if that's the criteria, one of the two best in the league, yes. I'll but go is with that. that?
0: But the thing is, I don't think that's super realistic. I'm sure you don't. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think. Uh, I think this offense has um, some some things about it that maybe you could scheme around. Maybe you could figure out a way to make it work. Um, but I think given the parameters that Chip Kelly has set where they try to kind of do this cookie-cutter approach where they're, you know, or not cookie-cutter, but the Swiss Army Knife approach where they're trying to change based off the week like what they're going to run. They're going to emphasize new things. They're going to build in so many different aspects Um I just I have a hard time seeing that working without a uh, workhorse running back,
1: so. and and we're, and we're skipping over one thing. If you you're you're a percentage guy, what are the per what's the percentage that um, the backup quarterback plays significant minutes in at least one game?
0: I mean, it's, uh, obviously, it's going to happen, um, and it's going to be one of the two chases,
1: one of the chase eye, and. I mean, I I've said this on the board. I've tried not to overemphasize it because it's Chase Art Artopis is probably has the chance to be a solid walk on quarterback. Is my opinion of where he is. Uh, he's he's a faithful level guy, but not not faithful as a redshirt senior.
0: No, um, yeah, yeah. The the kind of guy who's really good to have on your scout team.
1: Chase Griffin. I I don't – and I haven't seen him since the three practices in spring. So, you know, let's leave it open that he might have really improved since then. But there's just a natural limitation because he is 5'10 and he doesn't have a greatly strong arm. I I just don't see the upside there. Um, I think their only hope when it comes to this whole backup quarterback issue is that Parker McQuarrie actually – starts making some progress in practice by the time that game or two or series or two or quarter or two when DTR can't play um, I, I think that's what you have that's what you have to hope for and we're kind of not even figuring that in right here uh, when we're talking about, about UCLA in this season and that's a big thing not to figure in uh when we're talking about personnel um between that and the offensive line it's not unrealistic to see you know a couple a couple of unknown unproven backups on the offensive line blocking f- for you know a walk on quarterback
0: well and i mean and Keegan Jones potentially starting at running back at some point this year. I mean, Britton mm-hmm. Brown's injury history, Demetric Felton not truly being a true between the tackles guy. I mean,
1: and Martell Irby being hurt.
0: Yeah, there's a lot that it's for a third year. I'm kind of stunned by just the lack of playable depth in a lot of areas. Um, yeah. And I think that's maybe the biggest. And it's been the continuing takeaway of the Chip Kelly era so far is just the failure of roster management. Because in your third year, look, a position, it's college football. Injuries happen, transfers happen, totally get it. A position group being this thin at this stage, not a big deal. But there are so many position groups where there's something weird happening. Where linebacker, you've got, yeah, a million guys. There's truly one million players in that linebacker room, none of whom we've seen play football. Um it's just you've got that you've got um quarterback where you've got one guy and maybe parker mccrory we'll see what he develops into uh you've got running back where you've got a million guys but again we've seen literally one of them in a ucla uniform actually do anything for a considerable stretch of time Um, and that's dimitri felton who may or may not actually be a running back um it's just an offensive line which is the continuing bugaboo for ucla football for oh these last 20 years uh, but it, maybe at its worst state ever, or pretty close to it this year, um, just from like a, a playable depth standpoint. From the fact that um, two of the guys in the eight in the in the top eight that we're talking about are converted defensive linemen, um, it's just I mean it's it's crazy how mismanaged this roster has been.
1: It is, um, and just simply like in that article I just wrote about Chip and his Mulligan. <laughs> Um,
0: I got to call it, this one the Mulligan.
1: <laughs> yeah, just to just to piss off everyone who was calling sound that word. Um, it, it really is okay. He misjudged. He thought he'd win a few more games in the first two years. Let's just say. Um, but recruiting, I, I mean, it, it's like it's the saying. It's 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 recruiting stupid. I, I mean. He right now, his third year, there should be some guys who've already played that are stepping into starting roles uh, at a lot of different positions that that aren't, and then some backups too that we've seen kind of play. That's that's the thing. I mean, Jamal McClendon, if he were really good, <laughs> he would be competing. Right now, there was an there's an open door. You know when Josh Kelly left, they went and they went out and got a grad transfer running back. If he were good, he he was the only guy who's not a scat back in in that whole backfield and that whole tailback depth chart. He should have stepped up as a redshirt freshman. Uh, A good four-star redshirt freshman uh, running back would be the starter this year. Let's just say that.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um. We could talk about uh, we could talk about Jaden Hardy. <laughs> I know you didn't watch this. There's two things I want to talk about wow. basketball.
0: Wow. Lack yeah. of faith no, in me.
1: Did you watch that game on Sunday?
0: What game are we talking about here? <laughs> uh,
1: there was this AU game, this tournament thing, and a bunch of players played in it, a bunch of high school guys. Oh, sure. And Jayden, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Can... Jaden Hardy. I thought you meant some other game.
1: There was two significant things that came out of that. Jaden Hardy's really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, there's three. Oh, and he's not going to
0: Kentucky, right?
1: He's an amazing talent. No, as of right now, if he goes to college, I mean, obviously, things can change between now and April. But if he's going to college right now, UCLA is is definitely the leader for him. Let's just say that. It's not really a choice between where he's going to go to college. The real choice is if he's going to go to college and go pro. Right. I, I just can't believe he's not going pro. Um, he's, he's a, a pretty significant talent and he looks like a baby and he was, he was shooting from 34 feet and hitting it. You know, it's interesting though. He is about, he is probably about six, four to six, five and he's athletic and he can create shots and he makes, he's one of those guys that just makes difficult shots. I would say he's not greatly quick. Like he's not lightning quick for his size. His ball handling is still that of a, you know, a two guard. So if you saw this, you know, 15 years ago, you'd say, oh, that guy's going to be great in his one year in college. But now, with the with the whole situation with the uh, G League Select, you could see him going pro. The other thing that was significant was the announcer dropped <laughs> dropped that little tidbit that he had talked to Jaden Hardy about his recruiting, and he asked him which head coach had the best sense of humor, and Hardy said it was definitely Mick Cronin, that Mick Cronin had done a TikTok-type dance with his daughter and sent it to Hardy, and Hardy thought it was hysterical. So if anyone out there has access to Mick Cronin doing that TikTok dance, I I see like 500,000 page views in our future for that one.
0: Yeah, we got to get our we got to get our mole to provide that one.
1: Yeah, we need a mole. Yeah.
0: Um Yeah, it's exciting. You know, like I'm I am uh you know the way I, I can talk about UCLA's football roster management for like hours on end. Yes. I'm I am unconcerned. Like completely unconcerned with basketball's roster management. That is where I am on the uh, UCLA basketball homer scale. Like I'm like whatever. I'm sure I'll figure it out. It's Mick, baby. Yeah. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, because there's indications that that he will figure it out. He's done it before, and he's doing. He's making a lot of the right steps. And, and steps you go, hmm, that makes sense. As opposed to when you're now at right, two and a half years into recruiting with the football program, and you say, wow, that doesn't make a lot of sense from what thing. I'm it's, seeing. Like,
0: it, and that's the thing is, I mean, it. I think it does. You know, there's a threshold for it. I think Mick's doing a good job, but, like, it doesn't just show the like right moves. Like if Chip Kelly had come in day one and had, even with the plan he had, we were still like, okay, you can talk us into that. That's fine. Um, and it's just, you got to make the right moves. I mean, when we're hearing that first summer that you're not calling anybody, like nobody is hearing from UCLA staff. Well, that's not great. That's not great. No matter what your strategy is, no matter what like plan you have behind the scenes, that's not great. But from the beginning, it seems like this UCLA basketball staff is recruiting. It seems like they're targeting realistic shots. And you know what we're not hearing a lot of? We're not hearing a lot of behind the scenes, oh yeah, we're going to get this guy, and then they don't don't get him. Or we're going to get this guy, and then they don't get him. There's not this false bravado, false confidence thing that has plagued basketball staffs in the past um, that we're having to, you know, kind of... Reevaluate whether they know their chances with guys. It seems like this basketball staff, you know, within the bounds of reason, these guys are all going to be optimists, but within the bounds of reason, they have a pretty good idea of who they're going to get and who they're not going to get. And that plays into it too. Being able to judge those situations, being able to judge your own roster, um, the fact that they were able to re-recruit Chris Smith to come back. And I know Mick Cronin was talking about it as if it was, you know, uh, probably something that wasn't going to happen anyway, but being able to recruit that, re-recruit that guy back, that's a really good sign, really good, for the future roster management of this program. Because being yeah. able to re-recruit guys at UCLA with all the agents and hangers-on that can be around this program at times, I don't know, that's, that's pretty huge for me.
1: I'll say this, too. And part of this is based on a little bit of things I've been told, and the other part is based on uh, a guess on my part, but based on things that we know about this staff football staff and it's recruiting with the fact that uh, all the football players have been given an extra year of eligibility. I'll be, I'll be, you know how I write that thing every week that says how many offerees, how many offers they have left in the, that are out there in the 2021 class. Yeah. And how few they have and how much, how much they believe they don't have that many scholarships, even though you and I know a ton are going to open up. Um, I think they're all talking about a mulligan. I would say that they're not completely done with 2021 recruiting, but I would say they're not, they're pretty close to being done in their mind because they're probably thinking they're going to get so many guys. They're going to get a bunch of guys back that might not have gone that might choose another year of eligibility. Let's say, like, Jalen Irwin, right? Uh, God, uh, Dimitri Felton, even though he might go pro, maybe he considers coming back. Wow. Daytona, D- Daytona Jackson. All of the, I think they feel they yeah. are going to get a bunch of guys back. I would say Osa Digazuma might be the only guy I could see for certain. Coming back, not that we even know how good he is, but Ebo, who's a grad, he could play. A, he could play one more year. Paul Grattan could play another year. So could uh, the guy who's Q uh, Knight, Quentres Knight, who's doing well at the striker spot. I would bet that the program feels we 2021 is our year. We're set, and we're still going to get a bunch of guys back and we don't need that many guys
0: i I feel like august one next year when the ncaa allows for free transfers is going to be like have you ever heard of uh the fermi paradox which is basically like uh where is everybody in like a in a you know universal sense like where are the aliens there should be aliens right because you've got basically infinite planets all this kind of stuff so where is everybody and it's an explanation for that called the great filter which is that life reaches a point where its technology becomes too advanced for its own evolution, and eventually the, any civilization that advances to a certain point kills itself, more or less. Because or, the
1: sing, or the singularity, right? Sure, or, one or the yeah. other,
0: but there's something yeah. that happens that makes it so these things don't happen. And okay. the only explanation is this great filter. So I think August 1st next year is going to be the great filter for all of these delusional programs right? If you operate with a sense of delusion about your program and roster management, that'll be the great filter, especially a program that, for example, I don't know, one that you just explained to me is maybe counting on a bunch of its guys returning um, for that extra year of eligibility that suddenly they'll be able to transfer with as well. I, I don't know. That seems like it could be a point at which suddenly UCLA has 20 fewer guys going into a football season than it thought it did.
1: I think given, the all the, the situations they have in their hands that uh, that transfer rule going to affect August 1st and just natural attrition through medical records, through people transferring without that one, without that rule coming in, just, uh, you know, I they they have 17. Well, now with uh, I'm going to say 17. I'm not going to count Jamal McClendon they sh- I think they should be shooting that they are going to fill their what their counter of 25. They should shoot for that and I will bet they will have that many scholarships open and they will not they will not give out 25. Wow. And they could still take a lot of transfers. They might they themselves might take many transfers next spring. Right?
0: I could they might still very see well it. Do it
1: yeah. Um, maybe let's say they do take a lot, but they'll still be under their eighty five counter. <laughs> oh
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. It's 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 been crazy watching this the management, the personnel management on, on the football program. When I first was getting it, it wasn't really even that first spring when we were going, Wow, they're not calling anyone. What was getting me, remember, was originally the linebacker recruiting where I was looking at the depth chart going, whoa, what's going on there? They need some guys. And they only were recruiting one or two linebackers. And they, it was, it's like how the defensive line looks now. You're looking at it and saying, you're losing a lot of guys. Why aren't you recruiting? And they didn't. And then last year took 10. So yeah. that was that was the first red flag for me. I just didn't get that management. And it's been a series of those things at different positions and a lot of different stuff. But, yeah. But
0: there's football yeah. next week. And we get to watch it. And isn't that nice?
1: Yes. 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 Um, I, I became a little bit more interested last week just because I've learned and I never realized. I'm by far... Okay, Pac-12 obviously has my interest. And then the rest of college football, I don't really care that much about. I'll I'll watch a good matchup like in the SEC maybe, but I get kind of bored. And most of the time, you know, it's Alabama running roughshod over someone or is it really fun watching Clemson beat up someone by 40 points? Um, But I realize I'm interested in Big Ten football. I actually watched, you know, a lot of games. I was really interested in watching minnesota michigan so i real, and i don't think it's just the rose bowl affiliation thing i don't know i think i'm just more interested in the big 10 than the sec do you have any interest in any other conference
0: no not particularly um i'll watch i, I think i probably have the same general feeling about the whole thing i'll watch big 10 stuff but like some of those big 10 games like like i'm not watching indiana iowa like i don't know if you've got an i in the name i'm not watching you Like, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, not doing it. Sorry. Um, But the other ones, you know, watching Michigan, you know, play, yeah, I guess Minnesota. I'll watch that. But I don't know. I don't really get too excited about anything that doesn't include the Pac-12. I don't know if that's just a function of proximity, if it's the fact that I know a lot of the guys still who, you know, I'm familiar with them from recruiting days, playing for the Pac-12 schools. Um, It's some combination thereof. I'm much more familiar with the coaches. Um, So... Yeah, I don't I, I I haven't watched nearly as much uh football as I usually do at this point and I think it's just because the Pac-12 hasn't been playing. I get it. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, do you have anything else? No. I don't. That was it. That was That's a delight. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Um well, everyone out there, uh we might I would guess we'll be back before the first game of the season. Maybe next Thursday. We'll I think
1: we might. I think we will.
0: I, yeah. I, have, a, I have a pretty good, pretty good feeling about sh- it.
1: We're definitely shooting for that.
0: I believe in it. Um, <laughs> but until that time, I am David Woods. That's my name. Uh, he, he's Tracy Pearson. We write for Bruin Report Online, uh, the UCLA site on the 247 Sports Network. And we, both of us, together, as one, will talk to you again next time.
1: Everyone be safe out there.